Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Keen Gamer Podcast. I'm your host this week, David Lozada. I am joined with Tim Ronan. How are you, Tim? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. And Sean Rabine. What's up, Sean? Not much. What's up with you? Nothing. I'm just chilling, hanging out. All right. Well, we don't get up in my business about it then. All righty. All right. We have a very good show today. We're going to talk about this new banner that Jeff Keighley is trying to fit the video game industry under. Uh, and we're going to talk about whether or not cooperation among publishers and developers is a good thing. Or if, you know, we should do the follow the capitalistic route and, and encourage more competition. But before we head into that very grandiose topic, Tim, I want to know what you've been playing and what you've been watching this week. So, start us off. Uh, for me, it's been pretty much just Dark Souls this week again. Yeah, that's pretty uh, Yeah, very good. I've been dipping into the first one, actually, since I've been revisiting, uh, since I've been playing the third one. Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to play the first one again. Um, and it's funny, because, like, I realize I haven't really done many playthroughs of it, in terms of, I have, like, my main character, but I, for whatever reason, never messed around with, or I, not as much, messed around with some of the other classes, like, you know, being a swordsman or... Mm -hmm. A pyromancer and, and such so I thought it'd be fun to play a pyromancer and so I've been doing that uh, I decided it might be interesting to RP as like a character mm -hmm. so well, that's always fun. yeah so I'm doing like uh, Azula like an Azula type thing uh, from Avatar Os Airbender so mm -hmm. so I'm going for like Let's see, what, what was I going for? I think I'm going for, like, high stamina, sort of mid-tier armor. Uh, of course, pyromancy. And I'm using, like, uh, katana. Uh, the Uchi hmm. katana, I think. Uh, so that, that's been pretty cool. It, it also makes me use a weapon I've never used before. It's really cool because it has, like, really good reach. It has, like, this lunge attack, so it's like, oh, it's so good. You nice. can, like, slash stuff up. It's really fun. I know there's a really good way you can get early in the game if you kill that first shopkeeper. I did. <laughs> yeah, you get it off the Uji Katana or something like that. Yeah, it, yeah, it's funny. I, I, I think someone. Well, I think someone told me you could do that like years ago, and I always remembered that. Yeah. So I was like, ah, you're my guy. I didn't kill him right away though, because I, you know, he was useful well, the, to me. The general rule in Dark stuff. Souls is. You shouldn't kill NPCs until you're about to beat the game. That way you can yep. get all their armor sets, and when you go into New Game Plus, they're all back. But that guy, everyone's like, yeah, you can kill him. Buy his keys, and then... Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what I did. Well, plus he he sells firebombs, and I yeah. made that part of my class as well. So, Andy. Th at least the first time passing through, I was like, nah. I'll, I'll let you stay. But, well, I also thought that was the only place you could get that particular weapon, but I realized, I, th I think it was like literally 15 minutes after that this other dude can sell you the Uchi Katana. I was like, oh. Oh, mm -hmm. 
Oh well. That's the thing. Save some money. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, that that's actually been really fun. I'm gonna keep doing that. How far did you get um, from Dark Souls three? Yes. I just beat the dancer of the Boreal Valley. Oh, that's such a cool looking boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I'm getting pretty close. I'd say that's probably the four fifths mark. Like you, you got a few mm-hmm. areas left to go into. One of them is optional, so you can just skip that if you wanted to. But yeah, you're in the home stretch more or less. Not really in the home stretch, but you're within <laughs> throwing distance of the last boss. Yeah, that's what it felt like. But um, it, it's funny because like there's like these main bosses you have to kill, and um, you know, along with the the final boss. And it seemed like there were two of them, like, so close to each other, whereas, like, it took a while before you kill the Abyss Watchers, which are, like, the first, like, big boss you kill. Yeah. But then they just have, like, bam, bam, these yeah. bosses that you do so quickly. It's like, oh, oh, that's that's the guy. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, you, you kill one, and you're like, okay, time for another stretch before I get... Oh, is he in the, he's in the next area, and mm-hmm. the next area is... Basically half an area. Okay. okay. Yeah, and he's super easy if you save that guy. He's super easy. <laughs> there, there's was... too many gimmick fights in that game. There's too many fights where it's like, just do this thing. It's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't even too hard to save. Uh, I I keep getting his name wrong. I think it's Sigmeyer. I keep wanting to call him Sigmund. I think it's Sigmeyer. But yeah, there, there's a lot of Siegs. There's Siegword and Sieg. Mom. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's Sigurd. Siegfried and Roy. I keep getting it wrong somehow. But yeah, it's not... I guess it's not really that hard to save him. Or, like, you know, it's, like, to help him out. It's it's easy to screw up, though. Yeah, there's a couple, like... At, at one point, he's like... This guy's in a well, and he's like... Got yeah. no clothes, so you have to help him. I almost, I did almost miss that part. Uh, but I just happened to walk over to that well. I guess I'm just thinking of, like, in terms of ambiguity, like in the first game, how you save Solaire. It, that isn't yeah. totally obvious. Whereas this one, it's, like, not quite like that. Solaire so, is easy up to, like, the last part. Whereas, like, if you don't have your pyromancy high enough, you can't open this door and get to him before he goes crazy. Right. Oh. But Dark Souls 3 is pretty insane with some of the ambiguity of their side quests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I have no doubt. I think there's <laughs> probably some stuff I'll have to brush up on for next playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had my first, I think it was my first, uh, PvP encounter the other day. Mm. Uh, went about how you might expect. I was like in this church sort of area. Um, and this guy shows up and, you know, I, I did a bow as is customary. I bowed to him. He sort of waved to me. I thought we were going to fight, but then he's like, no, come over here, man. Come over here. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And he's like walking down these stairs and I follow him and he like goes to this corner where there's like this item and he points. It's like, you should go get that. But it was 
it was like in a sort of dead end room where I was totally convinced he was just going to backstab me. Right. So I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. So I was just, I don't know, messing around, waving at him and like pointing and stuff. And then he was trying to like get me to come outside, like in this graveyard. It's like, come on, come on. And I'm, I, I wanted to play along. I wanted to like, yeah, maybe, maybe he's trying to, I don't know. Maybe he was trying to help me or like mm-hmm. be funny or whatever. So I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of followed him, but I just, I, I didn't want to be tricked. I didn't want to be like shoved off the edge or backstabbed patches or anything. Yes, exactly. So ultimately I just kind of stayed away from him. At at one point he dropped an item and I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm not picking Mm -hmm. that up. I've heard, I've heard like, that's what hackers do. And you, pick up the items they drop and somehow it like messes up your shiz so I'm like no it, it's like no, a no. hacked item and like the cheat detection is like oh you have a hacked item found a ban you boop whereas the hacker he's already taken measures to avoid that but you haven't mm-hmm. yeah so that, that that was a bit of a, a red flag mm-hmm. maybe he there's a good chance he was a hacker maybe he wasn't but I wasn't gonna risk that um i i tried to use the there's this item that um banishes phantoms so i was like oh maybe i'll just do that but i didn't realize it doesn't work on invaders Mm -hmm. it only works on like friendly people so i was like oh all right so the only option at that point was all right i'm just i'm just gonna fight the guy um (laughs) i fired so I'm a sorcerer, so I was, you know, fired at a distance. But, of course, he saw it, so he dodged out of the way. And then he emoted with a slow clap to, mm-hmm. you know, make Come fun on. of that. Yeah. Yes. And then he equips all of his, like, he brings out his sword and his shield and whatever, and then he just starts rushing me. And I, actually, I actually lasted about maybe five minutes. Mm. But he was throwing, like, crazy fireballs and, like, black flame magic and um and stuff but i i actually did almost kill him like maybe once or twice but the hit detection and like lag is terrible so yeah. like i would hit him he take no damage sometimes he hit me i would take no damage or like i'd roll out of the way of his attack and it's like aha you didn't get me and it's like no he got you it's like what but you can't do that or, like, I'd be so far away from him, but he would still somehow hit me with, like, his sword that he swung in front of him. So I don't... I don't know what that was about. That was pretty garbage, but... Yeah. Uh, he got me. And then... That was that. That was that. Yeah. If only you had trusted him. <laughs> yeah, if only I trusted him and probably got backstabbed. He was pointing me towards this item that was, it was like a PvP focused item. It was like, um, I think an item where you can check a list of players that belong to a covenant or something. I don't, mm. I don't know why he wanted me to pick it up, but he, I think he wanted you to pick it up, look at it, see his name, and he's like, "Haha, trick you fool, and stab <laughs> you in the butt." <laughs> Yeah, you see, you see the guy the, at the top of that list, best player. 
Backstab. That's me. Oh, fuck. No. <laughs> How could you do this to me? Yeah, so... Oh, and I... I think, like, 20 minutes later, got ganked by two people. That was fun. Mm. Couldn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's hard to defend against. Yeah. But I still love this game. It's amazing. I got this... Oh, I got this really cool sword. Uh, the Great Sword of Judgment, it's called. It's like this magic dark sword thing. Hmm. Very cool. I, I can do, one. like... That's neat. You can send out, like, a dark energy blast with it, with, mm. like, a strong attack. It's really cool. I was... It's particularly great because I had this really dumb weapon before. It's like this candlestick that serves as, like, a sword and a catalyst for casting spells. But it was just... I wasn't really into the design. It was kind of wimpy. And... um each weapon has, like, a special ability attached to it. And this one was uh, something called Guiding Light, which I didn't... It sounded cool at first, because it sounded like it would reveal stuff. It's like the description said that it would reveal, like, extra guidance. So I was like, oh, that that's interesting. What could that be? Oh, maybe it, like, reveals hidden walls or something or helps you. But all it does is make player messages pop up more often. Yeah. And when player messages consist of um, try tongue, tongue butthole. Yeah, try tongue or, butthole. Or um, I saw one the other day that was um, do something, something along the lines of do thrusting, then try right arm <laughs> in front of this portrait of a lady. I was like, all right. All right. I don't need to see more of that. There are I'm, some classic ones I'm out good. there, like... Don't give up skeleton and yeah, <laughs> uh, great chest ahead or something like that. I forget mm-hmm. what, it's not great, it's something like that. Try jumping, try jumping, etc. Okay. But um, yeah, so I was really glad to be able to ditch that and have a super cool magic dark great sword. That's pretty awesome. I really love the great swords. Just. Like slamming it down and like doing wide sweeps—that's that's always really fun. They feel really good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't. I've. Let's see, my my health is at uh, nine, so I've I've pretty much never upgraded my health. Mm-hmm. So, getting, you know, getting in there with a great sword isn't always feasible. If I take like you know a couple hits, I'm pretty much dead. But mm-hmm. just makes it more challenging. So I like that. But, yeah. Dark Souls 3 is an excellent game. Who knew? And I love it. Changed my mind. (laughs) So have you been playing anything else or watching anything? Um, a touch of Animal Crossing, but I've kind of been falling out of that because... I think last week I was talking about the flowers being a pain in the butt to breed. Um, and pretty much now the only thing holding me to the game is the turnips. But they keep being like, if there's like an event that goes on on a Sunday, it prevents the turnip vendor from coming. 
So if I have to wait until the next week, and it's like, ugh. Nintendo, I already am not super into playing this. Mm-hmm. Why can't you just... Multiple people can come to town and do stuff. It's okay. You don't have to limit yourself. But So I've been kind of... And it reminds me why I kind of fall out of Animal Crossing. Because you just run out of stuff to do. So I've been kind of not doing as much of that. But, um... Yeah, it's pretty much it for games. Have you been watching anything? Uh, yeah, actually, we've been watching a series called The Man of the High Castle. Yeah, yeah heard I, that? I've heard of that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a old history where the Nazis won the war. Yep. And then explores basically like you know, the Nazis take over, uh, along with the Japanese, who take over um, part of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, so we, ju- we actually just finished watching uh, the last episode of, of the series last night. Mm. Um, it's a pretty good show. It explores, you know, a lot of tough subjects and manages to get you to sympathize, sympathize with... Um, even some members of like, you know, the not the Nazi group. Mm-hmm. It's like not totally black and white all the time. Interesting. It was in that sort of route. It's very cool. Um, the last episode was kind of odd. It ended sort of strangely. I think there might have supposed to have been a final uh, or like a season five. There's uh, four seasons currently. Um. But it sounds like the fifth season might have been canceled or something. So I don't know if that plays a part. But the ending is kind of like weird and ambiguous. Uh, and apparently the uh, I think the showrunner showrunner was like, oh yeah, well, you know, we kind of meant for you to take it how you like, interpret it as you will. So classic I excuse. Don't. yeah yeah some of us were skeptic but i don't know that's what they all say (laughs) it's artistic expression i know know. it it can can be lazy it can be but i wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt because it was a very good show and maybe there's something that i'm not understanding or something i missed that connects it all and would make yeah. it make sense, but I don't know. But mm. good show otherwise. Mm. Uh, that's that's pretty much my week. All Dark right. Souls and Nazis. What more could you want in life? Nothing uh, more, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, what have you been playing and what have you been watching this past week? Uh, well, I'll say what I played first because I didn't play much. Uh, Borderlands 3 I didn't play any Borderlands 3 and that's because um, Gearbox has finally admitted that their Mayhem 2.0 patch screwed everything up it oh, no. you're supposed to get a increase in drop rate up to 2500% but everyone was getting like 1 to 2 legendaries tops from uh, bosses and rarely weapons so 
Everyone's like, what's going on? We're, we're getting worse drop rates than if we had no mayhem going on. And Gearbox said, yeah, the patch screwed it up. We, we don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe it was um, like a, it's like a, a data overflow thing. Like the the drop rate increased so much that it like pushed packs pushed past the max and like came back around to zero or something. I don't know. They, they said that the fix can't be done in a hot fix, so they have to wait for a patch. So mm, see what happens there. And problem is like you know, Borderlands Three has value beyond just the loot, but. I've done everything that's not loot related, so now it is all just about the loot. So if the loot doesn't work, then there's nothing to do. Bing, bam, boom. Uh, one game I did start playing that's new is XCOM Chimera Squad. Uh, it is only ten dollars. It might, it might jump up to twenty dollars soon. I know it was on sale for like its first week of release. So if you're interested in it, take a look at it quickly because. You know, $10 is pretty good. Uh, I absolutely hate everyone in this game. I can't stand them. I really can't. Except for Torque. Torque is great. Uh, but whether it's their personality, the voice acting, or the, or even the character art, or some combination of the above, I can't stand them. And none of the aliens, because on your, on your squad, you have aliens and humans. Which is pretty neat. You have aliens, and they have their own little abilities. Like, you have a uh, Verge, who is like a uh, like a Slenderman type alien, and he can like do uh, sonic blasts and and control people that kind of thing. And you have Torque, who's like a snake lady, and can like use her tongue to like wrap somebody and like grappling hook over to her and spit acid that kind of thing. But none of them sound like aliens. They all talk and behave and sound exactly like humans and it's so boring you can't show me a snake lady and not even give her a lisp so much like come on just and to help illustrate my point the voice actress who plays torque the snake woman had no idea she was voicing a snake woman until the game released which tells me that the voice director who was like hey all right here's the lines read the lines didn't tell her anything about the character she was voicing which is so stupid. Why wouldn't you tell them that? that maybe, helps. maybe it's one of those things in the world where they have like transcommunicators that like perfectly translates what you know a species is saying, so the other can understand it. Even so if that were like true, humans. they could at least like give them a voice mod that like <laughs> makes the voice sound like they more didn't, gargly Sean, or something like that. They didn't want to offend the snake people community. With yeah, stereotypes. Uh, well, okay. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, then you know, I, I don't like to call people out too specifically. Like when there's something wrong with the game, like I try to be a little bit more nebulous. So I'm like, yeah, it could have been this or this. I honestly can't see this being anyone else's fault but the directors. I don't know what was going on in the recording booth, but they really screwed up. And a lot of the other characters are just annoying to the point where I actually had to turn off the uh, the voice sound. I had to mute it and just put on subtitles because I couldn't stand a lot of the characters. Their voices were terrible. Like Terminal and Cherub, they suck so bad. And what sucks is Terminal is really good. She's the healer. And I've yet to find another healer, so she's stuck on my squad and I hate her so much. Or, no, she goes by them, I think. 
I haven't looked at the bio, but I, I recognize that somewhere in some reference to her. But either way, Terminal sucks. Uh, as for gameplay, though, it plays like XCOM. You know, uh, one thing that's interesting is you play more like a SWAT team than a military branch. So uh, you do a lot of, like, uh, breach moments where each encounter you go into is like, okay, we're at the warehouse. You have to decide what entrances to send your people into and what order because you get certain bonuses that way. Uh, but after the breach, it plays like regular XCOM. There are, I would say, too many systems in place. Um, there's just it, it, get, it became overwhelming really fast. There are just so many. They kept throwing tutorial messages at me to the point where I'm starting to like close them immediately because I'm like, that's too much. And there's even stuff that they don't even tell you in the tutorials. Like, the XCOM series has always been about having a bunch of spinning plates and trying to maintain them, but accepting the fact that some of those plates are going to break. You're going to fail to be able to maintain this. You're going to fail to keep this person alive. But with XCOM Chimera Squad, it, there's a lot of plates. And they're very wobbly. Uh, but I'm going to stay with it. It's ten dollars. It's a nice. It's a turn-based game, so it's easy to like, you know, play my my round and then kind of look over at Netflix while the enemies are doing their thing. Uh, as for what I watched, I finished one anime, and I started two other anime. I am consuming a lot of anime. Uh, the one I finished was, of course, Kakegurui. I still don't know if I'm saying that right. Kakegurui. Uh, yeah, Kakegurui. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's season two, so I finished it. Uh, the seasons that are available, at least. Yumiko is basically the avatar of gambling. Like, okay. she has no interest outside of gambling. In season one, they, they kind of hinted at some extra, like, interest outside of gambling, like some friendship stuff. She might have been kind of trying to flirt with... Um, I don't even know his name. He is so unnecessary to this, to the whole series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of flirting with him a little bit. But in season two, no. All that's out. She just gambles. And honestly, oh. the show isn't really about her anymore. If it was even ever about her. It's about the people around her and the dire and or rewarding experiences she facilitates, facilitates around them that lead to their own character growth. So... You know, characters like Mary or um, Midari or basically anyone who gambles with Yumiko ends up in some drastically changed state. And they either become her friend or they become friendly or something like that. Like, no one's ever, like, bad blood with Yumiko. Like an ally, basically. Yeah. Just, she just, you know, makes more like allies. It's, it's weird she can ally herself with... A woman who like collected people's fingernails, but yeah, okay, that that's that's where the show goes. Um, I still don't know if she's a good person though, <laughs> Yumiko. Uh, if she knows exactly the outcome for everyone around her, then she's not a strictly good person. What? Well, because she's putting them through like mental anguish and stuff. But she's not super bad. But if she is just flying by the seat of her pants and just putting everyone at risk, she's a bad person. Like, just straight up. Um, I did like season two better. I think it was, I, th I thought it was a little bit more entertaining and interesting. Uh, but it became ridiculous. 
Mm. Like the series begins with a game of modified rock, paper, scissors. That's the starting right. point. Right. And season two, one of the last games they have involves a five story tower that is built solely for one game. And it's never been used before and it probably won't be used after that. It's like Of course. Like like I know these are rich kids and they have like a lot of like resources, but God, come on. Of course. Like does like the administration like this the teacher be like, Oh god, what is what is this? Why is there a giant flower garden with a tower outside? What what is this? That's for a gambling game. Oh my god. Is it getting used a lot? No, it hasn't ever been used. Okay. Well, <laughs> all, right. all right, I guess. As long as it's safe. No, people are going to jump from the top of the tower. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. So, uh. Do they ever do. I, I haven't seen season two, but do they ever actually show, like, a teacher in this school? Because this is a school, not isn't once. it? Is it. I mean, like, they what never... is. Like, what is. What is this. Like, I don't understand. Like. Honestly. Season two had like one classroom scene. It's it's so strange to me. Like, this is supposed to be a school, is it not? Yeah. And so, it's a school. Yeah. would they not have teachers here? That's that, the weird thing. Like, I know things? the show isn't about like the school life, but you still have to recognize the setting that you're in. Yeah. And have it make sense. Like, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's weird, but it's anime. It's, it's anime. Forget it, kid. It's anime. Uh, I would say I didn't like how the season ended. Okay. Because it goes through all season uh, following this arc. And then by the last episode, it swerves to introduce and resolve a totally new new one and leaves the aforementioned arc to just drift off. It never gets resolved. So, yeah. like, what? What? Now, like, I know they're following the manga and... You know, the show, they're given X amount of episodes, and if they can't fit the entire arc into those episodes, then it's kind of, what else? They can't they can't do anything. I don't like, mm-hmm. you know, trim a lot of stuff, which manga readers don't like if you do that. Um, it's still unsatisfying, though. I don't yeah. know if there's going to be a season three. I didn't see if like, there's any confirmation of that. But uh, No, not so far. Not, yeah. not... As much as I know, no. If it's getting one, it's not anytime soon. Yeah, I think it. uh, But uh, they 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 toned down the TNA a lot in season two. Oh, like season one was very sexually charged with a lot of the stuff, but season two not so much. Okay. Like there's some moments like Yumiko's like oh gambling and she like freaks out and like she, you know, gets all flushed. But yeah, the most part, again, because she she's not really the focal point. Like she's just the catalyst to make things happen. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very female-centric show, too. So, um, a lot of girl love. So, if you're into that, Kakiguri has you covered. Uh, as for anime that I started, I watched the first two episodes of Devilman Crybaby. Yeah! <laughs> I love that show. Love it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very early into the show. Um, love it. Two episodes. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it yet. Um, at first, I was put off by the art style. Yeah. Like, everything was, like, really simple and flat. And the 
perspective was really poorly done. Like sometimes mm-hmm. a character would like mm-hmm. kind of you know pointing at something and, like their arm is like twice the size of their body. It's like what the hell is yeah guys perspective like it, it's like art one oh one kind of things. Yeah. But then the devil restarted happening. I'm like, oh, okay, that's why they they keep the anime the art style simple, so that when it comes time to show like all the devil stuff happening, they can get really put the budget into the animation of that stuff. Yep. And it, yep. That's where shit gets nuts. Um. It it it's interesting, at the very mm-hmm. least. Like it's it's off the wall, and it's interesting. Uh, monsters and boobs. Oh yeah. That's, that you know. Oh yeah. It delivers on what it promises. Monsters and boobs. I'm really um, curious to see what you think of it towards the end because I I've gotten into a couple of debates with people regarding <clears throat> the themes of the show and it does have themes you know it's so just watch it you know and 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 oh, it's only I think twelve episodes so like mm-hmm. just watch it all the way through and then. You know, it, it, next week, if you finish it by next week, I'm really curious to see. I should be finished with it by next week. Mm-hmm. Um, no, don't rush. I mean, no, <laughs> there's, always week, there's always the week after, anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the other anime I started watching, which I also think you'll be happy to hear, is Violet Evergarden. Yeah! A show that could not be more different from Devilman Cry, yep. maybe. Yep. Like, what, what made you want to see Violet Evergarden? That's weird. What made me want? Yeah. What made me want to see it? Yeah. I know you talked about it weeks and weeks ago. Yeah. And you were really into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't remember anything about it, so I looked at a trailer because I was trying. My sister and I uh, were trying to find new shows to watch, and I'm like, okay, let's look at some anime because I've been getting into anime again recently. And I'm like, okay, this trailer made it look really nice. Like the the music sounded beautiful. The Art and animation is gorgeous. Um, I don't. I wasn't sure on the premise. I didn't know what it was, but I'm like, hey, she's got a cool robot hand, and yeah, uh, it's a really cool setting. So, um, I've only watched one episode, and yeah. we're going to be doing it one episode a day. So I probably won't finish it by next week unless like we really get into it and watch like double up on a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm very invested. From, like, yeah, one episode just just that that's definitely a show. Just watch one episode like a day. That's definitely yeah. if you're going to do that, it would be Violet Evergarden because each episode is kind of its own self-contained. At least further further on, each episode has its its own kind of arc to it or story, and it you know some of them That's will the touch you more. Yeah, some of them like, will touch you more than others, and it, yeah. it's just it's very good to take it slow and not to watch, not to binge it. Well, I like, think that's what it's meant for. Is it going to be like one episode will focus on like one letter that she's writing uh, a story around it? or In some cases, yeah. And then in other cases, it kind of ties it back to the overarching story. Well, okay. her and the the colonel or her captain, you know, so. The major. The major. The major. The major. <laughs> there you go. So you're super into that major. Yeah. Um, but I'm yeah. very invested just by on one episode. Mm. So I, based on the trailer, I thought one thing, and I, I'm not sure this is the case actually, but I'm not 100 percent sure. And feel free to not answer the question if it's spoiled. Is Violet an android? 
Like, I, I couldn't... Um... Because, like, based on the trailer, like, they're like, oh, she's, like, very emotionless. She's just a tool. She's, like, a doll. Yeah. She has, like, I was very hands. confused then, by that, too, actually, for a while. But then the show's like, oh, no, you know, she's human. Uh, she just lost her arms, and she's just kind of... All she know, knows is I'm, war and I'm, I'm trying to debate as to whether or not it's a spoiler. I don't well, think no, it, I don't think, the, I don't think it is. Account. I don't think it is a, it's a spoiler. It... No, I won't say anything. Just watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch, watch it. Um, but she has really, at the very least, she has really cool robotic arms. Yeah. Like, yeah. And she's like, oh, they're like adamantium and like they're very strong. So, yeah. They're dope. I'm like, yeah, they're dope. Uh, the music is awesome. Like, even the first episode, I'm like, wow, this music is great. The mm. art style is beautiful. The animation is very good. And the premise is just perfect. Like, yep. What a great premise. You got this girl. Well, all she knows is war to the point where she doesn't know how to socialize. She doesn't. She hasn't had a life outside of war, as far as I can tell, <clears throat> or some level of hardship. And but now the war is over. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't have her major around anymore to tell her what to do. And so she's going to be working in the um, what do they call them? The auto dolls. Yeah, she's auto working memory with them doll. In order to yeah. yeah to type up letters for people who don't know how to read and write. Which what a great premise. Yeah. You got these people coming in who want to send letters that are super important. She has to hear their stories and type up the words and, and, and figure out how they feel. And she learns how to feel, how they feel, and she learns more about people. And like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. I have it, already started preparing myself for the worst, though. As oh, soon as oh she boy. saw, as soon as she was given that stuffed animal puppy, I'm like, no. She's going to get emotionally attached to that dog. And it'll get destroyed somehow, like it'll get torn up or, or caught on fire or lost in the river. And I won't be strong enough to deal with that. So yeah. just throw that dog away now because there's no way I can deal with that. All, all she, I'm going to say is once you get to like towards the, the, the end, there are going to be some episodes that are just going to – they're going to really crack you, man. Like they're like you mm. just get a box of tissues and just keep them beside you and, and your – your sister, right? Yeah. Uh, just, just keep them beside you, uh, you guys, because oof, I like just thinking about it, man. It's just, oof. yeah. But so far, I'm I'm really into the show. Usually, it takes me like, like whenever I tell someone to try out a show, I said give it three to four episodes because like the first episode can sometimes be a little bit weak and shaky. Like it, it's setting things up; it's not really clear. But it's by like episode three that things start moving. But yeah. episode one of Violet Evergarden, I'm like, okay, I'm in. Just lock, yeah. I'm strapped in. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm it, it's it. one of those rare anime that, or shows in general, where it just grabs you, you know, like yeah. from the get-go. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was my week. Anime yeah, it, and aliens. I, you, the, the Devilman Crybaby and Violet Evergarden, like, they're both shows that, I think get better. In my opinion, they get better the more you you stay with them. Mm-hmm. So you picked really two really good shows there. And I again, like as I mentioned with the Man Crying by, I'm really interested to see like your overall takeaways with with both of the shows once you're done with them. So it's going to be an interesting next ep- next episode is going to be pretty interesting. I think uh, next yeah. episode of the podcast. So looking the next forward. anime at the at the top of the list. But I guarantee that I watch is um, what are they? Oh God, 
Cells at Work, which is oh yeah, an I've heard anime of that. Osmosis Jones. So I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I wish the various parts of the bodies looked different besides just looking like people. But yeah, well, you gotta ship them know. somehow. I've been curious about yeah, I've been curious about that anime. I haven't actually seen it, but yeah, it's on Netflix, I, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in that and the uh, Seven Deadly Sins. Oh, that one's, I, yeah. I never finished that. There's several seasons, I think. I'm like, it keeps getting advertised to me. I'm like, you know what? Why not? Yeah. Netflix has been impressing me with their anime lineup, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've they've been really hitting out of the park. They've been doing a good job there. Yeah, that was me. As for me, I have also been watching a good deal of anime, of Netflix, recently. Not so much anime. I've actually been kind of like on the opposite of you, Sean. Like, I, I've I've seen anime for these past couple of weeks, and I kind of just don't want to watch anime for a while now. I kind of want to watch mm-hmm. more, I guess, realistic things or, or documentaries. I'm I'm just in that mood. What about Devilman Crybaby is unrealistic to you? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Uh, the rap, the rapping. In, in no okay. in, in no way will you find that level of rapping in in Japan. No. Um, so I've been so so yesterday with my wife, we we watched this new Netflix show, uh, rather movie. It, it was kind of in the same vein as Spencer Confidential, so it's like a Netflix produced show. And this one is actually this movie is actually made by or produced by the Russo brothers who. You guys know they did the Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. So I was kind of curious about it. And it's called Extraction. It's with Chris Hemsworth. Have you guys heard of this, Uh, seen of it? Yes, heard of it. Yeah. Never heard of it, no. It it premiered very recently, maybe this past week. And it's an action movie. Essentially, it's, you know, again, it stars Chris Hemsworth and... Uh, Chris Hemsworth has to his company was tracked down by or was hired by a Indian drug lord to rescue this Indian drug lord's son from a Bangladeshi drug lord that's pretty much that's the story and the only other thing I'll say about it is at the start of the movie Chris Hemsworth is drinking beer he tosses the beer to his friend he takes his shirt off. He jumps like of hundreds of meters uh, off of a cliff into a body of water, sinks into the bottom of the water, me- and then meditates at the bottom of the water uh, for, for a few sure seconds. Are you sure that isn't an anime? It sounds like an anime. I thought it was a superhero movie at first. I, I actually thought he was like Thor. And I was like, oh, so this he is, is just like... He's actually obligated to take a shirt off at least once. He's in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just and, and I was like, Thor movie. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, this is Thor, Love and Thunder, like the prelude. Uh, and I was like, okay, so this is what the movie's about. And and lo and behold, that's what the movie's about. Lots of action. Chris Hemsworth being a very attractive man. There you are. Then I saw another Netflix... Well, it wasn't Netflix. It's actually another FX uh, show, or at least it was on FX. I know these past couple weeks I was talking about devs. The show that I've been watching recently is called uh, Waco, and Waco is about 
the what happened at uh, Waco, Texas in 1993. Basically, a, it's a true story, uh, um, or rather, it's not a documentary series. It's it's like a fictionalized version of this true story of dramatization. A, dramatization. There you are. Thank you, Sean. You you always know what to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, basically at Waco there was a religious cult called the Branch Davidians and it it follows kind of the story of the Branch Davidians but it also kind of follows the story of the FBI and the ATF the ATF is the uh, Department of Justice's alcohol tobacco and firearms and explosives division and what a fun place to work for too <laughs> yeah i know and and basically their prerogatives in going to Waco and and how the settlers of Waco wanted to defend themselves from the government, and it, it cut, the show start, starts off at Ruby Ridge, which is also another true event that happened, and that happened in Idaho. So you might be thinking, how does Idaho relate to Texas? And essentially, what happened at, at Idaho in 1992 at Ruby Ridge in, in 1992 was a white supremacist basically was camping out in the woods with not camping out he was living out in the middle of nowhere in in an Aryan kind of uh, region of Idaho and the basically one of his sons bought a firearm and the ATF followed, an ATF agent followed this this his the son of this man to his home and confronted him, and the the son said, "Well, you don't have a warrant; you can't take this away from me." And something escalated. It winded up that the son died, but the son died, uh, or he was seriously injured. He killed the ATF agent, and then the government got involved. Obviously, they sent like a whole army to the father's uh, home. Uh, the father refused to kind of surrender. They, he refused to give up more for, firearms, et cetera, et cetera. And the government then said, well, we're going to shoot you on site without any kind of reasonable cause. They, they tried to kill him, this man, but they winded up killing his wife instead. And so the man eventually, like a week after, he, he surrendered herself, himself to the government to the FBI because the ATF turned over the investigation to the FBI and the because the F, the ATF was obviously you know butchering this whole ordeal mm -hmm. the FBI took this man to custody a couple of months later the the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the man and they said this is all the ATF's fault and when the budget for the next year rolled in the federal government gave the ATF or rather reduce the ATF's budget by millions of dollars, forcing them to let go many, many people, and they raised the FBI's budget many, many millions of dollars. You know, and, and the ATF said, well, we want to redeem ourselves. So they they found Waco and they said, let's go to Waco. Let's, you know, try to start something there, or at least that's what the show's alluding to. Let's start to try something there without a good substantial amount of evidence because there were some people that were saying, oh, they were abusing children there. Oh, you know, they were brainwashed people. Like the the man, his name is David Korish. He was the, the 
actual real life cult leader of this uh, group of Branch Davidians, mm-hmm. and his his whole thing was he was an expert of the Book of Revelations, and in the Book of Revelations, there are sixteen judges that judge people at the end of times, I think, and he was basically sleeping with members of his uh, congregation, some of them married, having children with them, having 16 children with them, and then raising them to become the judges of the end times. And it was just, you know, he's nuts. But he was abusing these children too. And so that's what, like, led the ATF to kind of go to the to Waco and, and um, start shit, basically, for lack of a better yeah. term. With them, and and also they found two hundred thousand dollars of firearms. They have purchased two hundred thousand dollars of firearms over the course of a year, and they were like, "Well, that's kind of suspicious." So, yeah, and that's the story yeah. of the Branch Davidians. So it's an interesting series. I have I've only seen the first uh, the first episode, so you know I'm, I'm interested to see kind of like how they they frame. The story and it stars one of Ozark's um, Ruth. It stars that 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 particular actress who I, I really like. So yeah, really looking forward to see what else it has to offer. All right, so that wraps up our weeks. We're gonna head into the news of the week. First news story this week is about thing two things I know pretty well about. Last of Us Part 2 and Ghost of Tsushima, the last two PlayStation 4 exclusives before PlayStation 5 releases this fall. So, Sony has announced that uh, Last of Us Part 2 is not indefinitely delayed anymore. It does actually have a release date. It will be coming out the 19th of June, about a month after the, its original release date. And Ghost of Tsushima will be coming out on the 17th of July, so about also a month after its original release date. I will, That's pretty much all the news here. <laughs> uh, Tim, what do you make of, you know, Sony indefinitely delaying Last of Us Part Two, and then them just saying, oh, you know, everything's all right now. You know, uh, uh, it's coming out in June, so... You know, nothing to worry about. Do you think that this that them saying indefinitely delaying the game and then them just like a couple of days later saying, hey, actually it's coming out, you know, uh, a month later. Do you think that was like too dramatic? Do you think that they should have just waited to they should have just delayed it? What do you make of the situation? What's well, funny, like when whenever I hear the word indefinitely, it's like some part of my brain and I know it's wrong. But it sounds like that makes it sound like forever. Yeah, like, yeah, me like too. it's never coming yeah, out too. indefinitely. But it actually just means, right? Like we don't know exactly, but we can't exactly. say right now. But it, it always sounds like it's it's just never gonna happen. Like X thing is like postponed indefinitely. It's like oh oh dang. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean I. But, I mean, seemingly, this is coming about because of certain leaks that happened. Were, were we going to uh, touch on I, that? Or? Well, I will touch on the leaks as as our next news story. But I, I thought that this was more of a COVID-related response. No? Well, the, the mm. delay was... Was COVID-related. COVID yeah. Because when, they like didn't want to release... Like, that means... They don't know when it's going to come out. 
and unless something changes that's out of their control that it's not going to be enough it's not coming out yeah but they don't yeah. want to like cancel it they certainly would never cancel last of us part two no this far in development no way but they were like look we don't know when it's coming out any more than you do Mm-hmm. yeah but, i i it, it, i asked tim this question and i'll ask it to you too sean just because i feel like for them to 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 go through this effort and through this you know dramatization not dramatization but through the through the dramatics of saying it's indefinitely delayed to them just saying okay it's actually just delayed a month it feels kind of i guess anticlimactic for lack of a better term it just it just doesn't feel right that maybe they should have just waited i I mean this might have been a situation of like you know they're they're coming up on the release date pretty quickly yeah and like look we don't know where if we're going to delay it or if we are going to delay it when it's going to be released and Mm -hmm. the closer you get to the release date the less acceptable it is to delay something because it's like okay if you wait for like two weeks before the release date to delay it we're going to be kind of pissed off. Uh, so I think this is sort of like, you know, look, we need to delay it. It's going to get delayed, but we don't know what the date is going to be. So they didn't want to, like, like, hey, it's going to be coming out the 1st of June. That's when it's going to be delayed, too. And then all of a sudden, like, ooh, actually, we got we're not it wrong. going to delay it again. Yeah. Because that, that looks even worse. So, yeah. so you think? Uh, so do you think they did the right thing here? Yeah, Why? I'd say so. Yeah, okay. And I, I just want to say that for them to, for Ghost of Tsushima, I mean, it just makes sense. Like, why would you release Ghost of Tsushima so close to Last of Us Part Two? If anything, I think yeah. that Ghost of Tsushima, I, I thought that they were going to delay that to August, at least, you know? Because, I mean, yeah. I, I, like, August would be, like, the cutoff, right? Because then they have to build hype for the um, PS5. Mm-hmm. But maybe they thought that August was like too too close to the PS5. So I think they probably thought it was too far away from the original release date. Two months? I don't think that's that bad. It is to like the rabid, you know, online <laughs> gamer types. You know, that's true. Yeah, you delay it like a week, and people start to like lose their shit. So what? And they're gonna delay it. They're gonna delay it as little as possible. I think I can't live. Without my PlayStation exclusives? Ah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about more Last of Us. You know, I could talk about Last of Us all day. So Last of Us Part 2, part at least part of it, was leaked. And original news stories pointed out that the leaker was some a disgruntled Naughty Dog employee. And the reason why they came to that conclusion was because Naughty Dog has been subject of controversy with uh, its employer employee relations in the past couple years, namely some some accusations of uh, you know uh, of not fair pay, accusations of of harassment in the workplace, things like that. So that came a lot of outlets kind of came to the conclusion that maybe there was a disgruntled employee. He wasn't given his severance. Or he he was working too many hours and and he just had enough and leaked the game and and so Sony Sony caught word 
uh, or rather acknowledged the, the rumors, so to speak, later in the week when they actually caught this supposed leaker. Or I should say Sony thinks that they or, or is saying that they caught. We don't actually know for sure, but Sony uh, put out a small, tiny message basically saying we've tracked them down, we've contained them, and uh, we, we hope that you're looking forward to The Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> Yeah. And that was really it. So, I mean, I, I know you guys are probably, you know, you, you don't know The Last of Us as much as, as well as I do. You know, you guys aren't as big of PlayStation fans. But uh, what do you make of, you know, Sony kind of, <laughs> I mean, Sony's kind of response to this. I, I feel like it's a very tiny, like, un dramatic response or like unsignificant maybe not unsignificant maybe that's not the, not the right word but it, it doesn't seem like a very grandiose response but i feel like it is the right one i mean it, it's it's a certainly a satisfying one do you guys feel the same way uh at first it seemed like i believe um, from what i've heard it seemed like it was an employee but it turns out it isn't it isn't Did an employee it isn't yeah. an employee okay. no it, okay. it just happens just to be I don't know, a random person. So yeah. my question is basically, uh, what do you make of Sony's response? I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of like a very small Seems... response, not a very grandiose one, but I, at least in my opinion, I think it's a satisfying one. Do you think it's fine? I mean, it seems appropriate. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they... I mean, I also don't know that they want to make this into a big deal. I mean... It already yeah. kind of has been in terms of like the the content of the leaks. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't think that Rue would have needed to like say much more than yeah, we got him. Mm-hmm. We're, we're taking legal action. And, and Sean, do you have do you share that opinion? Um. Yeah, I you know the last story I you know I didn't think. What Sony did was necessarily damage control. I think it was just, you know, bad. It sucks. The timing sucked for them, but, like, they had to move forward with it. But this was definitely, you know, some level of damage control because people were saying, oh, it was a disgruntled uh, Naughty Dog employee, which, of course, forces other people to ask, why would there be a disgruntled employee at Naughty Dog? Which makes people talk about the poor working conditions, which hurts the image of the game. So, like, okay, no, we need to fix this as soon as possible. A, because, yeah, imaging. And B, if all the important cutscenes of Last of Us Part Two get leaked, that's that's kind of a major leak. Like, they got to plug that really quick. Um, so, you know, the, the people were saying, like, oh, it was a disgruntled employee. You know, report, reports say, but it's like, what reports? Who's saying it? Like, you, you can't just say, reportedly this. That doesn't mean that's true. But people often accept that as fact. It's like, oh, he says reportedly. Well, he must be reporting it. Uh, On the other hand, Sony also said, no, it wasn't an employee. It wasn't anyone associated with Naughty Dog or Sony Entertainment. But they won't say who it was or even hint at who it could be. Like who this person is associated with. Like it was, you know, someone who who was on the tour and got a hold of some files, you know, someone who worked at a bar and like picked up a flash drive that was left behind nothing like that so you know just as 
uh, incredulous is the reportedly thing. So is Sony's like, it wasn't that. It's like, well then, which, which is it? But, you know, I'm more inclined to believe Sony because they are, they have more credibility than some random jag off on Twitter. Yeah, I, I think you both bring up excellent points. And Tim, I, I think, you know, when you noted that Sony, you know, they, they didn't, it was a satisfying response, I think you kind of hint at the fact that maybe Sony doesn't want more attention, you know, to this leak because more people are going to get spoiled. And if they're spoiled, maybe that will, that will hurt their sales, you know. And not only that, but it'll, it'll hurt Naughty Dog's brand name and Sony's brand name too, right? So, so there's that factor, and I, and I think Sean, you, you touch on that too, um, and, and 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 Sean, you you touch on the fact that there's a lot of inf- irresponsibility in, in terms of journalism here, right? Like people are just kind of yeah. making up stories. <laughs> that's not journalism. <laughs> you, no, you that's not journalism at all. And I think I think video games, you know, they they're or at least video game press is is very they do that often, and I think we need to. You know, as ourselves, as journalists ourselves, we have to kind of point fingers at those people too, and, and say, "Listen, guys, like, let's not do that. Like, like that's not what proper, you know, journalism is, and and that's not what we should be doing. You know, for the sake of our jobs. And I get it. People want to, you know, they want the 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 savory news story. They want to kind of say, hey, you know." Naughty Dog, their history is catching up to them, and it's biting them in the ass. When in fact, well, none also, of that is true. So it's also a speed thing. Like you get a story that that too uh, these yeah. leaks have happened, and you're like, "How did it happen?" You're going to go with the first possible source you can get to and report yeah. on that. You don't have time to like check, double check sources or anything like that. You're like, "I got to yeah. get this out as soon as possible because whoever you want to rank first, on Google, gets, yeah, you yeah. want to rank on Google." So. Yeah. It's the nature of the beast, unfortunately, is to go as quickly as possible, which doesn't give you time to check your sources. And so the end result is not actual journalism. It's just blogging. Yeah. But it's blogging that people accept as journalism, mm-hmm. which is incredibly damaging. Now, yeah. I'm talking about, like, video game stuff. So, you know, yeah. it's damaging to the games industry or, or people playing games. So it's not necessarily, like, end the world type stuff, but... Mm-hmm. This kind of journalism is not uh, constrained just to gaming journalism. Oh no, it, it's it's across industries. You know, it's 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 also a testament to the kind of fake news. And I don't mean to start be political here, but like it, it, you know, there there is a certain aspect of fake news that we have to be very wary of, especially in the age of social media and, and Twitter. You know, like people just say whatever. You can have Wario sixty four say this kind of nonsense without any you know substantial claims behind it i'm not saying mm-hmm. warrior 64 does this i'm just saying like any twitter bot will say this you know and it, it's just kind of like guys like let's put on our, our our thinking caps here let's not just take everything at face value you know let's let's actually investigate let's actually learn about the story before we report on it so yeah yeah just just guys like <laughs> consumers out there you know actually research or, or rather the fellow journalists out there actually research your stories before publishing them because mm-hmm. like we are responsible for for sharing this news we are very liable to you know accountability here like there let's not do that <laughs> let's not 
Yeah. Just do things for the views. Come on. All right. Let's move on to another kind of daunting story. This one is regards to Steam. So we're shifting away from consoles and we're going to PC. Hooray. Hooray. Yeah, I know. You guys are like, whew. These consoles, man. Time to talk about real games here. (laughs) Yeah. So, recently, there was a developer. They released their very first indie game called Wari Orb. It's a platformer. It's a nice little platformer. It stars like a little red orb, and he's bouncing around with a sword, and it's kind of nice. They, yeah, 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 it's cute. Uh, So, they released a prologue in anticipation for its release date which i believe it released uh this past tuesday so the was that the 28th of april i think that's the 28th of april yeah it released this past tuesday the 28th of april and uh in anticipation for its release date they had a prelude out on steam many people bought this Eighty thousand people actually uh bought the free preload and they reviewed it 90% 90% were positive. Uh, over 200 reviews were, were compiled. Uh, over 16,000 people wishlist the game, and the game was then listed in popular upcoming section, which obviously for any developer is a huge boon. I mean, that mm-hmm. you know just helps your visibility. Uh, the game was also translated to Chinese, Russian, Spanish, French, Hungarian, Romanian, all of these European countries. Uh and you could also argue, you know, uh, Spanish, uh, South American countries, because Spanish is there, right? Um, mm-hmm. a, and they they estimated their sales based off of uh, a Gama Sutra kind of um, blogger. He he's he, he's well known. I, I've known a couple of developers who who follow kind of his um, his charts there. So they 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 anticipated that they were going to get some significant sales. It turns out that as of Friday. The May first, so the game had released, had been on the market for three days. They only sold 350 copies. That was it. Only 180 of those copies came from the wish list. So I may remind you that they had 16,000 people wish list the game on Steam, and only 180 around actually purchased it. They anticipated that they were going to make 10% of their. Uh, they, they were going to make. They were going to recoup, recoup ten uh, percent, uh, and they. It turns out that they recouped only one point one percent of their development costs, which is actually absolutely terrible. So that begged the question: What went wrong here? Was it Steam's fault? Was it developers' fault? Was it a mix of the two? The developer kind of put out there, and I forgive me if I'm going too long here, but it it, it is a very kind of uh, extensive story. The developer put out a, a few kind of uh, uh, hypotheses. He mentioned, or she, I, I don't really know the, the sex or gender of this person or them, uh, that the price maybe was too high, that they were originally selling for about $18. They launched at a 70% discount and at $15, and maybe people thought that maybe $10 would be a fairer price. Uh, another th- theory was that a significant point uh, – Part of the people who wishlist the game just uh, did not 
want to maybe they they wish list without actually acknowledging the price of the game so they kind of just uh thought that it was going to be or assumed that it was going to be released at a 10 10 dollars or below so um they didn't take that into account and then when the actual price came out they were disappointed maybe there was uh a wrong day to release it released on a tuesday and most indie games release on thursdays and fridays so you know the logic of the developer was Let's release on a Tuesday so we can get in before you know the 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 the, the influx of, of games on on the end of the week. That obviously didn't work out. Um, and and uh, another theory was the the coronavirus. You know, like a lot of people maybe they don't have a lot of money right now, or they're actually putting their money into better known games, so they're just not you know. Uh, uh, they're not as confident in indie developers or indie games. They just want to spend their money on things that they know they're going to get uh, a lot of bang for their buck. So, okay, I'm going to finally open up to you guys. What do you guys think this developer kind of suffered from the most? Was it because of the launch day? Was it because of the coronavirus? Was it because of the pricing? I want to hear your thoughts of what this developer could have done better. And if you think Steam, this was Steam's fault. Maybe it wasn't promoted uh, despite being promoted well despite being on the upcoming page. Uh, Tim, start us off. What do you make of this developer situation? So I guess for me, looking at the uh, wishlist people, um, I guess it just makes me think about how I do things because generally speaking, I don't put things on my wish list. I, I guess I also kind of forget it's a thing, but sometimes I'll see a game and it's like, oh, that that's interesting. Maybe I'll put a tab on that for now so I remember it. Mm-hmm. But I've had a lot of games, or I've had some games that have been on there on my wish list for a very long time, for years. And I also don't really necessarily update it and stuff. Um, for me, putting something on my wish list is not a, a committal of like, I'm definitely going to get this. Um, it's it's just, some, just sometimes just so I can remember that a game exists. So I feel like part of this might just be maybe that. Like, people weren't necessarily committing to getting it. They just wanted to remember, like, oh, this is a quirky little game. I'll maybe get that. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they planned on getting it, and they just, you know, there's tons of games on Steam, and tons of things to do, and, you know, I'm sure they have a life to live, so they just forget about it. Yeah. You know, it's, I, it's, I it's not like... That. That earlier I was I was wrong. It it wasn't ten percent of their total development cost. It was they were anticipated that ten percent of their wish list was going to purchase the game, and only one point one percent of the wish list actually bought it. So sorry, continue, uh, Tim. Okay. Yeah. So you know, it's not like it'd be one thing if it was like a pre-order, because that's like someone committing to yes, I'm I'm going to be buying this game, mm-hmm. um, and then having them like cancel. At the last moment, that that would be like, oh, what happened there? But um, I guess in terms of not seeing that carryover from the wish list, 
I mean, that, I, a lot of people didn't based on that percentage, but I feel like it's... I don't know that it should have been totally expected that... I don't know that sales should have... And I don't... Maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I don't have experience in this arena, but I don't know that to some degree sales shouldn't have been expected from wish lists just because it's not... It's not like, I'm putting my money down, super committal, definitely getting this game, type of thing, you know? Well, I think even even in this, they said, you know, we know not 100% of the wish list is going to buy this, but right. uh, we were expecting at least, like, 10%, you know? They got, like, one. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's kind of like, they. I think... I think you're you're right, Tim. Like, and and I think Sean, you also bring up a good point. Like, the ten percent kind of number there, it's a bit, you know, it, it, it's a bit arbitrary. Like, maybe they shouldn't have just relied on that one metric, or they they're not only relying on one metric, obviously, but they shouldn't have put so much stock in that one metric, well, right? Yeah, like, like it, the, 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 the metric said, like. 20% is what you can expect. I'm like, okay, that's ideal, but let's be a little mm-hmm. bit pessimistic and say 10%. That's what that's what the, the developer said. But I think the developer also didn't take into consideration, and I think the comments also point this out pretty well, the coronavirus, you know. And it, it's true. More, most, A lot of people, I, at least I could speak for myself, they're being much more price conscious, you know. Or even if it is in their wish list, you know, they're just saying, I, I just... I don't want to spend 15 bucks on this right now. I'd rather use it to um, for a meal, you know, or, or I'd rather put it toward a game I know I'm going to play rather than a game that's just going to sit on my backlog. So it's there's that logic to kind of factor in too. There's also the logic that with the coronavirus, economies and industries across the board, you just can't predict things anymore. I mean, look at the stock market. I know this is like a very far, far-fledged um comparison here the stock market is actually doing really well right now and that only shows like the volatility of economies you know like you can never really predict anything to the t you know you can't really you can try your best to predict sales to the t but it's just never gonna it's never gonna be exact it's not an exact science so like there, especially in times like these i think the volatility only goes up you know the the un, un Unsurety, uh, unsurety. I don't know if that's a word, but uncertainty. 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 I'm so glad you guys are smarter than me. The uncertainty. <laughs> the uncertainty goes up, you know, in in times of crisis. So there's that aspect that they didn't uh, kind of take into account, and I think that uh, it's unfortunate, you know, like they they obviously did not any nobody could have predicted this thing, and and. It's unfortunate for everybody. Um, Sean, your thoughts? Um, well, like I, I'd love to hear from like other uh, indie developers who like did they also experience yeah. something like this, mm-hmm. either recently or like in the past? Like, is this something that happened where it's like just like, yeah, we thought ten percent would be the worst case scenario, but we got way less than that. Uh, I don't think this is at in any way Steam's fault. The only way you can blame Steam is to say Steam allows way too many games and that it was just hard to find this game amongst them all. 
But even that's like, eh. um, But I also wouldn't say it's the developer's fault. Their expectations were at fault, but I don't think they did anything wrong in their execution. Maybe I think they said uh, somewhere in here um, the uh, PR uh, firm that they work with didn't really get the coverage that they were hoping for. Uh, but I think in terms of his mistake of expectations, one is expecting a wish list to be an actual I'm going to buy this list. Like, I have games on my wish list that have been there for years. Years. And they've been on sale a lot. They've gone on deep sales, but I've, just, I've never bought them, either because I overlooked them or because I'm like, eh... I, I care so little about this game now that I don't I don't even want it for like two dollars, and I don't even want to exert the energy necessary to remove it from my wish list. Like it, it's that kind of like yeah, I just lose it. So, um, if people are like me, and I hope to God they aren't, they use their wish list as sort of a hey that looked neat, I'll put it on my wish list. And what that does is that when it uh, goes on sale and when it when it when it releases and when it goes on sale you get an email saying hey this item that's on your wish list is on sale and they're like oh now I know to go get it but you know if this releases and it's like fifteen dollars a lot of people are like a seventeen dollar discount a lot of people are like eh I can wait for a steeper discount than that and that's problem two which is and it's not a problem with the developer or steamer it's a problem with the community and that's this perception that if it's an indie game, it must cost $10 or less no matter what. I don't care how much it costs to make. I don't care how many people are involved. I don't care how good it is. If it is an indie game, it is $10 or less, preferably less. And if it looks like a AAA game, people will you know, overlook that. But if they find out it is an indie game, they're like, well, why do I need to pay you more than $10 for it? So, unfortunately, and I'm looking at this game, and it looks cute, it looks fun, but it doesn't look like it's going to be, you know, breaking down the doors and people are going to, like, rush to go get it. Uh, you know, I might pick this up for, like, $10, 12 something like that. But I think, you know, people will see $15, and because you see this all the time in Steam reviews, which, by the way, never has there been a more wretched hive of stupidity and more stupidity than Steam reviews. Of course. And the Steam discussion forum. Steam discussion forums are awful. Oh my god. Really? Oh, they're the worst. Yep. Oh. For like <laughs> smaller games, not to go too far too far off topic, but for like smaller games you might be fine because it's like a smaller community. But the bigger the game, the stupider the people. Yep. And they will make thousands of posts and they're so terrible. Anyway. Um It's like Twitter basically. It's just terrible. Yeah, like Twitter basically. Uh, but even worse because there's no quality control in terms yeah. of like yeah. this post is more popular, so let's put it to the top. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I yeah. I, I think it, it, you bring up a, a point too, and I wouldn't say it's a problem with the community so much as it's a problem with just the times right now. I feel like so many publishers and so many platforms in general are just discounting games you know or giving away games for free i know sony gave away two games you know as part of its play at home initiative you know just recently and, and i'm sure steam is doing that too i'm sure the epic game store and 
I think Ubisoft was doing it too, right? They were just giving away games. Yeah. And yeah. and there's this perception right now that you know, so many games are give, being given away or either that or there's so many games on sale, why would I pay $17 or rather $15 for a game I can basically get for free? You know. Yeah. And, and it again, mm-hmm. these these circumstances of chance can't predict it. That's just how it is. That's how the business works, you know. That's that's what it's like to be a business owner. Not that I'm a business owner, but the the volatility of the market is just something that you have to acknowledge and factor into your uh your your development costs. And I I, I hope to God that this developer has, you know, reserves and that they have a contingency plan in place that mm-hmm. they can pay their employees especially during this really terrible you know a disaster that that we're having right now um so yeah i i think that's 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 a a good let's say foundation to 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 settle on is just saying not to blame necessarily you know steam or the developer i think you're right sean i don't think any neither of them are at fault and i would venture it's to say like the community isn't really at fault either it's just you know, they just happen to be a victim of circumstance, unfortunately. And um, yeah. I wish them and the I, best. I hope their game I hope does, the game does, does well. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I think there's also the element of, like, you know, it has positive reviews on Steam. Yeah. And the way Steam reviews work, like, 94% say have said it's positive. Yeah. Which is great. But the problem is there's only 19 reviews. Mm-hmm. And so, if you want to get to like stats like very positive or mostly or overwhelmingly positive, then you need more and more reviews. Like you yeah. can't have a hundred percent positive reviews, but only have ten and have overwhelming. So I think people also look at that, you know, that positive. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's kind of close to mixed. I'd rather see that higher. Yeah, and they don't know how it works, something like that. But I do hope they do well. I hope they have enough money to make another game because it it definitely seems like at the very least. This developer is reflective enough to be like, what went wrong? What yeah. can we do to m- keep this from happening next time? Yeah. And, you know, when a developer does that, I, I hope for them to succeed. So, because that's what you should do. You should mm-hmm. be reflective on your failures and see how you can prevent them from happening again. And if you see that there is no way to prevent them from happening, assuredly, like it's a random chance, take measures to protect yourself if and when they do happen. Yep. I'm telling you guys, if you guys are into like development or anybody listening to this is into development, make sure you have those reserves. Make sure you have a plan B, contingency plans, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know, a lot of times it doesn't work out, and that's fine. That's totally okay. Like, that's part of life. Mm-hmm. And I know you've been there, Sean. I know Tim's been there. I've been there. You know, that's fine. We get back up. We keep going. Well, we just make sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm rocking it, <laughs> knocking it out of the park, everybody. Of course you are. Of course. Uh, I just want to. Last thing I want to point out before we move on to the next news story, that the the developer blames the PR agency. And guys, if if anyone listening to this is aspiring to be part of the communications field of, of the video game industry, it's always good to know. Or communications in general, if you are in PR. You will always be blamed for everything. Always. <laughs> always. 110%. So just... I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> you know? Uh, okay. 
So, last new story before we go move on to the topic of the show. This one's about Assassin's Creed. Remember that franchise? No. <laughs> Ubisoft will sure as hell never make us forget about it. They're coming out with a new entry. It's called Assassin's Creed Valhalla. They released a... It's not live action, but it's like a cinematic trailer, I guess. I guess that's the, the way that we call yeah. it now. And Ubisoft they, loves cinematic trailers. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, they've been releasing them since, I think, since Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, yeah. They've just been since since then. Uh, so, what do you guys make of Assassin's Creed Valhalla? Are you guys excited? It, it's about Vikings, and it's about Vikings uh, invading the English. I believe the English. So, Tim, are you excited for Valhalla? Well, well, for one thing, this trailer is brutal. Holy heck! <laughs> it is, My yeah, goodness. it is pretty gruesome, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it even came with like, well, I wasn't signed into YouTube uh, when I clicked the link here, and then when I did, it's like, hey, you you need to sign in, you know, just to verify your age and stuff. It's like, oh, all right, and then I realized why. Um, I mean, I like the aesthetic; it's really cool. But yeah. I guess my experience with Assassin's Creed is I've played pretty much just a little bit of one, a little bit of two, um, and my experience, I, I don't know, it was just kind of like repetitive and kind of boring, I guess, but... I haven't played the most recent ones. I don't know how much they've changed that. But I like the aesthetic. Looks cool. I don't know how much of that brutality is going to carry over into the actual game, but I assume some of it. So. Mm-hmm. And Sean? Um, I've, I've checked out of the Assassin's Creed franchise since, I want to say, Brotherhood? Uh, I I do like the setting of Vikings, but I don't, I for me, one of the cool things that I, I don't know how to I know like ever since like Odyssey and Origins, they've sort of veered further from uh, grounded reality toward uh, uh, supernatural elements. And mythical elements. And all the Assassin's Creed games have had that kind of thing. Like, they have the whole objects of Eden and aliens and all this kind of malarkey I can't keep track of. But uh, I would say it. the trailer was weird. I don't know. The trailer seemed like the main purpose was not so much to announce the game, but to be like, Hey, we're doing the thing about Vikings. By the way, look at how nice the Vikings are. Look at how playful they are. And, you know, they play around the kids. And they, they'll let the women and children go. And I'm not a historian. I don't know how accurate that is. I find you that know. to be the most hilarious part of the trailer, actually. You know, like, it's they're trying so to get you to sympathize as much as possible. Because, like, you know you're going to be playing as the Vikings. You know you're going to be, you know, a Viking assassin. Which also, can I just say how ridiculous it is a Viking assassin? Like, yeah. I know Assassin's yeah. Creed has changed to be more of like a, a in-your-face combat. When 
Whereas I'm like, no, it should be stealth and like sneaking and, and one hit kill stabbing in the back kind of deal. But, you know, a Viking skulking in the shadows, being all stealthy, that doesn't ring Viking to me. The Vikings, but, that, that's, that's totally the antithesis of the Viking culture and Viking. Right. They're like, all like honorable combat. Vikings, like, Vikings face were. Your opponent. They, they, or at least the men, they were raised to do battle and then die in battle so then they can go to heaven. That's what Valhalla yeah. means, you know. So, so it's like if they killed that. people in secret and then they died without anybody knowing or in stealth, then they just immediately go to hell. So it's like why Those would anybody do that? Count. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's like, it, doesn't make, it's like, it just doesn't make any sense, yeah. you know. There was no one to see it, so it doesn't count. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the Valkyries um, wouldn't pick them up and send them to heaven, basically. Exactly. Yeah. My question, my final question about this is that, you know, um, it showcases this uh, Viking dude, you know, the, the blonde hair, blue eye type Viking, which, yeah, makes sense. That's a Viking. Uh... In the past games, past the recent past games, you could play as a female character. Is that going to hold true on this one? And if so, is that going to work? Yeah, they like confirmed the, it. They like confirmed I, it I, I don't know how they managed to explain it, like how you could have like a, a female centurion or, or or whatever the whatever you were in like that Greek Roman game, whatever it was. It was Greek um, Odyssey. Yeah. yeah, I think you could have a female character in the Origins. I don't know. I can't remember. But uh, with Vikings... Yeah, I think so. With Vikings, it's like, you can't really have a female in the same role as the male character. Like, it doesn't... They would be pretty... The Vikings would be like, no, you can't do this. Like, but look at how strong I am. No, still no. Yeah. The answer's no. But I want to go to the hell. You will, just, you know... It just doesn't make any just sense. Just not here. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't... Yeah. I don't know how... Again, it's a cinematic trailer. It doesn't show gameplay, so I don't know what to think of it. Yeah. So I can't... I don't. I won't let myself get too invested, because, yeah. like, I, I don't know. I like the setting of Vikings, but yeah. that's about it. I mean, I agree with you, Sean. Like, I, I, I'm just kind of like... I get it. You know, like, I get it. We live in a progressive society. We have to have inclusion. But it's kind of like... That's that's not what the Vikings did. Like, I don't. I like. I, I'm I'm sorry. Like, but uh, you know, throughout most of human history, men were the ones fighting the wars. That's just a fact. I mean, like, yeah, that's how it was. Even in World Dudes War Two, charge. Yes, that, I mean, that's sorry. Know, that's how it was. The situation that was, you know, and we're trying to rectify that and and trying to balance the scales. But but it's like you can't rewrite history. Speaking. I mean, like that. Like that's well, like you can't Assassin's Creed trying to do that, but you know, and and like when you like this is just like I mean it's a video game, so you have to suspend all your thought. The instant you start thinking about like the historical accuracy of this franchise, it's just totally yeah. doesn't make any sense. And you noted like the the myth mythological aspects that they added in, blah blah blah, whatever. I mean, like I just want to see a straight up like historical game. That's just brutal. You know, like, I, I would have much rather liked a Viking game that was just straight up a Viking game. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just, like, some dude. Like, so, for instance, Vinland Saga, which is another anime that I was talking about, I think it was not too long ago. It actually tells a story, this story, of the Vikings invading, you know, the English. 
and it's set from the point of view of a kid, you know, who grows up into a Viking. So it's like, why not just tell that story? You know, like it, that's an interesting story. That's that's cool. And the Vikings are ruthless people, and and but some of them have like some aspect of humanity. They're, they're like, listen, like let's not rape and murder everyone. Let's actually spare some people. Whereas most yeah. Vikings were like, actually, no, we want to kill everyone. So, you know, why not have it like from that point of view, like a sympathetic Viking? There you go. There's your story. Yeah. Man, like, what a the Viking hell is... amongst Vikings is like, you know, guys, I don't think this is the best way to do things. Yeah. It, and then that way you could have a male or female main character because yeah. either would work in that situation. Exactly. You know, you know the it, Vikings are like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. And then you have like, you know. A hero caught between two factions. Yeah, I think that's a much interesting story than the what? Are, what are the two groups in Assassin's Creed? Like the the, the Templars, the Templars, and, and the Assassins, and the Assassins. And just called the Assassins, but yeah. they might be called something else. But Whatever. I know the other is the Templars. Ubisoft just make historical games, like just make cool historical games. That's it. No Assassin's Creed nonsense. <laughs> no, just but ma- Minotaurs, though, and giant snakes. They could still do that. That's fine. Just, like, you don't have to put the hidden blade in this shit. Like, you know, like, it could still well, how be... how else would you know he's an assassin without the hidden blade? <laughs> so important. That, that's a, Whatever. That, that, that's a staple of the franchise. That'd be like, you know... If this was a Star Wars franchise, you wouldn't know he's a Jedi unless he pulled out a lightsaber. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though you don't have to use yeah. a lightsaber to be a Jedi, and it'd be more interesting if you didn't, but... Yeah, or Mario or... without the coins, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I gotcha. All right, let's move on to our topic of the show. So, our topic of the show this week is going to be a, centered around kind of the unity of the video game industry. Now that we have... Now that E3 is cancelled, and Evil is canceled, and Gamescom is canceled, and pretty much everything you can think of is canceled. Uh, Jeff Keighley has kind of risen up from the ranks. He kind of, uh, if you recall earlier this year, he said, oh, I don't want nothing to do with E3. I'm not doing E3 live. They don't, I don't agree with them, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he said, I, I'm going to do a Gamescom thing, and then Gamescom <laughs> canceled, and he... Uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, wasn't his plans didn't go through there. So this week he came out with a new initiative. He said, "Okay, I'm really, you know, uh, hell bent on on unifying the video game industry." And and you know, Keely, of course, he has the Video Game Awards in December every year. Um, he said he's going to host something called the Summer Game Fest, and this is going to last from May through August. It's going to be like a kind of like a pseudo E3 Gamescom. Uh, you know, replacement, and every week or every couple weeks, uh, a number of publishers, and I will name them all: 2K, Activision, Bandai Namco, Bethesda, Blizzard, Bungie, CD Projekt Red, Digital Extremes, Electronic Arts, Microsoft, Sony, Square Enix, Private Division, Riot Games, Steam, and Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. They are all going to be coming out and showcasing news or games regarding their. Uh, you know, regarding the year or, or, or their plans for the for you know the foreseeable futures, and they're going to do that throughout um, you know the, the the months that I listed uh, before. So, 
what do you make of, of Jeff Keighley's initiative? I'm going to ask you guys what you make of Jeff Keighley's initiative, and then I'm going to kind of open it up to the wider discussion. Is cooperation or, co- or competition better for the video game industries? Meaning, should we kind of unify in these trying times and, and, and uh, kind of form one identity, or should we continue to be competitive and, and kind of uh, entice each other to, to bring out more benefits or rather more innovation? Um, so let's start off with the news. What do you make of Jeff Keighley's summer game for us? Tim, start us off. I mean, I think it's really great. I feel like, you know, I feel like I don't know Jeff super well, but I feel like I'm always hearing stuff like this about him. He's always like, it feels like he's trying to contribute to the to the space, uh, like the industry in some way, and he just seems like a, a nice, genuine guy. And doing something like this just, you know, e- even after he was you know, bowing out of E3 and not really playing to do anything. But then people are like, uh, hey, Jeff, did, did, are you doing anything else? Or whatever. And and then he's just like, you know what? We're going to do this. It's going to be for four months. I think that's awesome. Hmm. Uh, Sean, do you share those sentiments? Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, where this goes. When I heard he was you know, doing a, uh, something called a summer game fest. I'm like, Oh, that's, uh, is it going to be like a placement for E3? Is it going to kind of be like a week, two week thing? Four months though. That's like, Whoa. Yeah. Which feels less same. like a fest and more like within this span of time, some stuff might happen. Some stuff might won't, you might go days without seeing anything. And it feels not as necessary, but at the same time, He's managed to rally together a lot of really big uh, developers and publishers. He even got like Nintendo in on this to say, "No, hey, not yet, you know, not yet." And didn't say Nintendo. an article he got Nintendo. No, he, they say that he that one notable admission is Nintendo, but he hopes to get Nintendo soon. No, it says he hopes that the remaining console makers join later. Wait, no, one notable admission no Nintendo. But Keeley says he hopes that the remaining console maker would join in later, as his initiative is open to all publishers and platform holders. Admission means Nintendo's coming, did they, right? Did they mean omission? I think they meant omission. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like, because I'm reading like one note yeah. omission Nintendo. No, because of, of the <laughs> list. That's yeah, yeah. Nintendo yeah. usually <laughs> is like, "Fuck you! I'll do my own thing." So yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. They meant omission. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. See, that's game journalism. Tweet. Game journalism <laughs> isn't up to par, man. They they got it. You won't see those mistakes in the Wall Street Journal. Let me tell you. You won't see those mistakes in King Gamer. Let me tell no, you. Yeah. <laughs> KingGamer.com. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what this is. I I'm impressed that you know Jeff Keighley is like this binding force between all these developers like he knows everybody and he's just able to get all these like big names like like hey you want to do this thing sure and he's just i guess he's just a charismatic guy with these people and you know it's it's really cool to see this stuff happen he, he said like mm-hmm. hey look it's not going to compete with the other outlets gamestop and ign who are also doing their own e3 substitutes which i hadn't heard of but that's really cool that he's like hey we're not gonna we're not trying to like muscle these other events out of the way, we're just kind of like, hey, during this four-month period, maybe announce your stuff. It'd be cool. 
So yeah, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I, I also I share in kind of the same sentiment as you guys. Like, I think it's it's great, you know, just that Jeff Keighley has such a big picture mindset, and he's always kind of thinking of ways to bring the industry together in this regard. So I think you know, th- rather than not have this at all, this is you know, a great thing. I I do I will kind of say that I will miss having just. A, a deluge of news on one day, you know, like all these trailers posting, yeah. you know, like all this news, like just flooding the feeds. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Like, that's what, right. to it, me, that, is so it, exciting I'm about E3. That. that was a fun part. That was the best part of E3. It was just like the, mm. the pageantry and all the, like, oh, exactly. It's like two to three days of just like a bunch of news. It's like, oh, yeah. cool. Which yeah. is great for me. You know, not great for the industry necessarily. Of course, but of course, you know, yeah. and, and obviously the reason why it's so spread out is because the publishers would have never agreed to it if they didn't have this kind of, you know, time to for people to to digest the news. You know, so like I I can I could almost hundred percent you know say like some of the publishers on this list like Warner Brothers they would have never agreed to this if like they they said you know. Oh, we're gonna announce your news the same day as you know we announce CD Projekt Red is working on you know Cyberpunk twenty seventy eight or something. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. they wouldn't have never agreed yeah. to it. So um, or Blizzard. I mean, come on, Blizzard's like never. I don't think Blizzard's that has is ever showed weird. up. Like Blizzard's like right. Blizzard's always been like, hey, we're gonna we got BlizzCon. We don't need your help. Yeah, like, or we Riot can Games. Buy a small nation, raise yeah. an army, and tell and just give you the middle finger with them like you don't yeah. need your help and, so it's like and, okay yeah. and riot games too i mean like i've never seen them yeah. at any event ever and they're here so that's cool and 2k 2k too oh no not 2k 2k is um 2k is always up there um activision too i think they they do show up at events but they show up like very small presences like i remember e3 last year it wasn't really much so um, this is great. I mean, overall, this is just great. And Steam, Steam yeah. too. That's another big one. I I never see them anywhere. So great, great stuff. Okay, so last question, and then we're gonna wrap up the show. I want to ask you guys, like, so Jeff Keighley, as I mentioned before, he has kind of like a big big picture mindset. He's he's always thinking about kind of unifying the game industry under one umbrella, under one mm-hmm. kind of slogan or banner, if if you will. Um, and he, he wants to kind of encourage cooperation among a lot of uh, com- competitors. So if you recall, I, I think it was last the last Game Awards, he had the president of Nintendo and Xbox and uh, Sony on stage, each one saying, you know, how important the video game industry was and expressing their love for the video game industry and their passions for the video game industry and, and thanking all the people who, who work in it. So... Do you think messages like that are are beneficial to the industry in the long run, or should we kind of continue to keep our heads down? And I guess keep your heads down is a very derogatory uh, remark, but should we just continue to encourage more competition among the industry? Encourage you know more manufacturers, for instance, like Sega. Maybe they come out with the Dreamcast too. Should we, should we encourage uh, manufacturers and publishers to you know take out or, or rather produce their own uh, games that, that break up the mold and, and you know, um, 
surge more competition in the marketplace? You know, or or are, do these things go hand in hand, or are they you know totally devoid of each other? Can we do both? I want to hear your thoughts on on that question. Uh, Sean, start us off. I <clears throat> I would say cooperation is best in uh, the games industry. Cooperation is best. The problem, though, is that if even one company decides that competition is the best, everyone has to do that. Because, like, if one person is competing, it's like, oh, shit, we got to compete with him. Like, we can't just let him surge forward. Like, you can get further in the long run with cooperation, but you can get there faster with competition. But you also run the risk of crashing and burning. So, I would say cooperation is best, but it is both hard to manage. It, it, it it's unrealistic, unfortunately, because just human nature and just greed, it's just going to be a driving factor, and it's going to be really hard to like. It would be really hard to convince everyone in the games industry to just work together. What Jeff Keighley is doing. I think this is a way for the industry to be like, hey, you know, I know we're all competing with each other, more or less, but it's not vicious, it's not malicious, we're just trying to run a business, and this is a way for us to kind of work together and show that, yeah, it's, you know, let's say it's all in good fun, but like, there, there, there's no bad blood. I mean, it could be going on behind closed doors, there could be like some vicious black, bad blood between these companies, but... I would say, as I know nothing about business and the very at, the, at all, I think cooperation is probably best for the industry and, in the end, best for the consumer. Imagine the cool crossover stuff you could get if all these companies just cooperated with each other. Master Chief in Smash? Come on. Master Chief in... I don't know about that, <laughs> but, you know, Master Chief Armor in Doom or... Yeah. You know, what, one example, and I hesitate to use this example because it kind of disproves my point, but it was a fun game. Uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Very ah, fun yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, it was not a Nintendo-developed game. The franchise was allowed to be used by Ubisoft, which is surprising, and they made a really great game. Yeah. They put Rabbids in there, and that kind of just is disgusting, but... <laughs> it is nonetheless a really great game and I think it sit, speaks to the um, quality of the game that I was able to get through the entirety of it yep. even despite the fact that the game forces you to have at least one rabbit in your party at all times there's no reason to do that you can't force me to have it hate I, I still hate that move on from me because that I uh -huh. I should also that. note that that game sold incredibly well too it, it did, it, yeah. It, it was I was happy to surprisingly, see because that's it was, a great genre to work with. It was a surprising sales success, I think, to everyone. Uh, Tim, I'm going to ask you the same question. Is cooperation or competition better, or could we have both for the video game industry? Your thoughts? I think I feel like there can be room for both. I mean, I, you know, I'm... I'm all about cooperation and, you know, being reasonable with one another and not, you know, shoving each other's heads in the dirt and stuff like that because there's no need for it. But I think 
I guess I feel like a little, like, you know, friendly competition, you know, that can be helpful. Like, I guess ideally the, the feats and accomplishments of one party would make the other like, oh, oh, frick. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Now I'm determined to like do something better and kind of, I guess, bounce off of each other and, and piggyback and improve your own work based on the work of, of, um, no, your, your peers, really. I guess that's a good way to look at it. Your peers and, uh, comrades in the space. Um, and I, you know, I, I guess in, in some way that competition can also, it can breed new ideas, new concepts and games. And in that way, I think that could give, uh, the consumer more options, you know? Yeah. Um, but well, and one, uh, to the point of cooperation, one point brought up in this article that I noticed is uh, Jeff Keeley kind of wanting to wanting this kind of unity to help out the indie devs. Yeah, and I think that's a really cool idea as well because they they deserve love. Yeah. It's really hard getting noticed in this in this kind of space with thousands of games. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, you look I, at like something like E3, where it's like there are indie games announced then, but it never gets any attention because everyone's talking about like what the big three yeah. are doing. And it's like, oh, but when you spread it out across four months, you have a little bit more time to like share the spotlight. Yeah, no, I, I, that's yeah. I think that's definitely suitable. Going to be a lot easier for for those steps to actually get noticed because that's right. There isn't this like just massive surge of news for three days which is taken up by the big guys we can have mm-hmm. some time to be like oh this is a that's a cool game that's that's a neat thing so i'm totally on board with that because the indie games are just as good can be just as good as a game that costs millions of dollars to make mm-hmm. so i think that's great yeah i agree with you guys uh there are you know, I, I agree with both of you. You know, I, I think that the cooperation aspect, Sean, that that you brought up, like, I think that's an ideal one, and I think you admitted that too, right? Like, that would be like best case scenario where I'd I'd love to see, you know, like I said, Master Chief and Smash, you know, <laughs> but like, but you know, I think I think with initiatives like, you know, what Jeff Keighley's doing, I think at least it puts us in that mindset. You know, like, hey, why not? Why not put Master Chief in, in Smash? You know, like, Microsoft and Sony have been third party, have been negotiating with, with, or I should say Microsoft, not so much Sony, but Microsoft has been negotiating, you know, as a third party publisher on Nintendo for a while now. Ori is on, is on Switch, you know, like, these, uh, Cuphead is on Switch, right? And and, my, and they were both developed in part by Microsoft or funded in part by Microsoft. So it's like, you know, the possibilities are now there. It's not far fetched anymore. I mean, when Banshee Kusui got announced for Smash last year, I was like, this is fake. This is there's no way. <laughs> there's no way this is real. But no, it was real. You know. And so, you know, I, I, I we're probably not going to ever reach that point where we're going to see like 
you know, a video game of, to end all video games where, like, Cloud is, is fighting Snake and, you know, and, like, all, you know, this, these crazy that's, mumble jumbo. That's in Smash. Cloud and Snake can fight each other. Oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's already here. <laughs> oh, And no. it's literally called Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Oh, so the God. ultimate game exists. Oh, my God. <laughs> it does already exist. I forgot about that. Okay, so like Mario fighting Crash Bandicoot or something, you know? That could actually exist, by the way. But that, I could know, see that happening, but yeah. It could actually exist. But what I'm trying to say is like like first party characters fighting against one another, right? Like we could I don't I don't really foresee that happening anytime soon. We're just not at that point. But thanks to what Jeff Keighley's doing and I, and and thanks to just us, you know, talking about it it kind of makes that possibility a reality, you know? And, and and us being open-minded about companies joining, coming together allows them to, to you know, extend an olive branch. You know, one day Nintendo might actually team up with Sony. I know they have blab, bad blood between them. You know, that's it's an infamous story, you know, of the Nintendo PlayStation. But, like, it may actually, they may actually patch that one day. Who knows? And and they may actually collaborate and make an, uh, a killer council or something. We, you know that discussion that has already been said. Yeah, that 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 discussion has already been said, and it it could happen. They're both Japanese companies, you know. Like <laughs> they're headquartered in Tokyo. <laughs> it's possible. So um, so yeah, I I think that's 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 a good kind of stepping stone. At the same token, you know, I am a big believer in laissez-faire economics. So like. I, I do think that, you know, if we didn't have competition, you know, we wouldn't have as much innovation. That's just how it is, you know. Like, it looks like Xbox is kind of really ramping up, you know, for its Xbox Series X console. Xbox Series, that's what it's called, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this console is like such a ridiculous name. Anyway, uh, for, for the fall, right? So they wouldn't have been able to kind of get our attention if they didn't learn from their mistakes. If they didn't learn the mistake from the mistakes of the Xbox VCR, uh, Xbox One. So like, you know, like that. That's why. Why that? That's why I think competition is a good thing. Um, and not to ma- not to mention the fact that Xbox also bought all of these different developers. You know, they have uh, 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 the Hellblade developer. You know, they have. Uh, uh, come on, the the Outer Worlds developer. They have all of these cool talent, you know, under under their under their belt now, and and there's that just fueled more creativity, I think, and that just encourages people, and it's more money for people like Double Fine. I mean, imagine what Double Fine is going to create now with all of that Xbox money. It's going to be great, dude. I, I'm just I'm so too, I hope. Oh, that would be so cool. Just oh make my Brutal god. Two. And then oh you can close gosh. your doors. Yeah. I'll get that day one. I would love that. I would get that too. Oh man. Just release it for PC, please. Please, Xbox. Yeah. Please. So yeah, I, I, I agree with Tim. Like I, I think having it's possible to do both and it's possible to, to succeed with both kind of uh, uh, theories or pursuits in mind. You know, you could be competitive, you could push innovation. At the same time you can talk to your competition. And you can say, "Hey, you know, let's do this for the fans. Let's make, you know, let, let's let's put Crash and, and and Mario together in a game. Let's put, you know, uh, 
what's his face? Uh, uh, Nathan Drake and, and Mario and Master Chief together and make it a, into a game somehow. You know? Leon Kennedy. It, 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 you know, everyone... Huh? What? What did you say, Tim? <laughs> Leon, Kennedy. Uh, Leon Kennedy. Leon Kennedy. Leon Kennedy. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ashley. Yeah. I'm actually surprised there aren't any... Uh, res- are there any Resident Evil characters in Smash? No. No. The so. only Capcom character is... Well, they, they, there isn't any Capcom characters. There's just like the, the um, uh, a monster yeah, class type of. Oh shit! Mega Man's a Capcom. Character. Mega Man's in there. Yeah, they got uh, the monster, monster, yeah. hunter stuff in the background. Rathos. Uh, Rathos. Whatever that. Rathalos. Yeah. Rathalos. Rathalos. Yeah. There you are. Yeah. And Bayonetta is from Sega. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Sonic is another Sega one. Sega, yeah, they got they got a lot of characters, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. people always say like competition fuels innovation, and there could be truth to that. I I've never looked into any like source studies or numbers or anything like that, but my gut says yeah, competition can fuel innovation, but if you collaborate and cooperate and you get as many heads together as possible to work on something, you can make something even better than you make if you're just competing with each other. But mm-hmm. the question is, what's the driving force behind wanting to innovate if there's no reason to compete or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Which, yeah, I don't know if I... Yeah, unless something unifies you like a disease or something, like, you know, like there's there's nothing really... Like, we're, yeah. we're always going to be competing in one way or another with another human being, you know? Um, yeah. That, that's just kind of inherently what human beings are right they're just competitive creatures so like yeah since the first caveman saw an apple he's like i'm gonna get that apple because that motherfucker's gonna get it first i'm gonna right kill him. right but that's the only way i can assure myself to get that apple <laughs> exactly but that doesn't totally negate you know our ability to collaborate either you know and no. and we could have we're, both. We're, we're self-aware enough to be able to exactly exactly we can have both yeah yeah for sure all right that wraps up our episode, our 40th episode of the Keen Gamer Podcast. Thank Lordy you for joining Lordy, us, Lordy, everyone. 40. <laughs> I managed to say it. I forgot to say it at the start, but I got it in. Yeah, <laughs> you got it in. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up before I start suffering from my midlife crisis. I mm-hmm. have been your host, Dave Lozada. You can find me on Twitter at Xenocreator125. You can find me on Instagram at Xenocreator125. You can find me at my website, davidjoselozada.com. Tim has been here. You can find him on King Gamer writing articles daily. And Sean is here. You can find him on Twitter at Gingerbread. That's D J I N N G E R underscore bread. You can also find him on King Gamer writing articles daily. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We'll catch you next week for our 41st, can't say that fast, 41st episode of the King Gamer podcast. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Bye.